You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 213. Ending Human Trafficking Takes the Whole Family. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing human potential. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. Sandy, we're going to turn our attention today to the whole family, right? That's right. And it's really because of you. At our last recording, at the end, you asked me a question that really stuck with me about, you know, you were talking about, I've got kids. When do I start teaching them about human trafficking? How do we do that? And I just thought about it. And I thought, as we think about ending human trafficking, there's a saying about when is the best time to plant a tree. And 20 years ago, if you want good fruit now, but if you haven't planted a tree, do it now. Yeah, And it's better as kids are raised to raise them with an awareness of how people might be exploited and how you can be part of protecting other people and being a champion for other people that don't have the same things you have. So it really made me think, and I'm excited to have this conversation. Yeah, I I am too. And I think that there is the tendency sometimes for us to shield children in a way that's very well intended in that we don't want to introduce things to them that are not age-appropriate. And I think sometimes as parents, we do sometimes go a little too far the other way, Sandy, if we become so protective of our kids and of how they see the world that we forget that they are interacting in their schools and with their friends, and they are seeing things on the internet. Um, Not necessarily the really bad stuff even, but they're seeing cultural references and they're seeing news reports and they know what's going on in the world to some extent. And we as parents and as educators and as people who think really intentionally about how to teach around this issue, there are very age-appropriate ways to begin these conversations that help children to find the context of the world so that when they do run into those cultural references, when their friend says something, that they have a framework to build from, and that's not the starting point. Well, and I think, too, that developing philosophies of life and principles that you make decisions by starts when you're really young. How old are your kids, Dave? Five and seven. Now, this is a great time. They're making decisions about what they believe about themselves, about other people, about the world at large. And I remember as a child, one of the lessons that my dad taught me about human rights is that my rights ended where the next person's nose began. He would put his finger on his nose and reach out and touch mine. I was a little kid, Hmm. but it was the understanding that the world doesn't all revolve around me, but I have to be concerned about the people within an arm's distance of me. And that principle, I still remember my daddy doing that, not just once, he repeated that lesson over and over again. And 
as I became a teenager, he applied it to teaching me how to drive and how to let the next person in. L.A. drivers, please pay attention. Um, And we're sharing the same space. And kids are very aware, just like you said, of what's going on. And so one of the things that I fear, because children are very concrete thinkers at the age of your kids, and so when they learn things and when they see those news articles, I don't want them to think, that they're responsible for those things. Yeah. But I do want them to understand how their choices can contribute to creating a better place, creating a better world, and everybody can do something. A few months ago, we had Belinda Bauman on the podcast, and she talked about empathy. I don't think we have to talk about trafficking and the dark side of that. But I think if we begin to be intentional about teaching empathy, and empathy, the way Belinda defined it, was knowledge and heart. So you understand something, but you also have a sense of feeling that you could relate to that person and then take action that reflects that empathy. So here's here's an example. When I first started going out into schools, the way we talked to kids was about chocolate. And I saw the ILO, the International Labor Organization report last month, and one in 10 children globally, one in 10, just let that sink in. And I don't want kids to feel the responsibility for this, but parents, we need to be responsible to think about this. One in 10 children globally are in forced labor. So that means that I want my kids to understand that when you choose a chocolate bar, you can choose a chocolate bar that is good stewardship, that you know that an adult, a parent, is getting paid a fair wage so they can buy school clothes for their kids and books and all those wonderful things. And the other side of that is a child who's in forced labor isn't getting an education. So creating empathy for those kids and knowing that if I buy a chocolate bar that is a little more expensive but has been supply chain checked through various services, and we've got podcasts on how to do that, that I'm actually making a choice to support the parent of a child. So they do get an education. And it's a little thing like that, that we can do to teach our kids empathy while we're in the store. So don't go to the store, Dave, and buy a bunch of candy bars for your kids that are all fair trade or certified, small business, private, supply chain checked, all those good things. Take your kids and let them pick out a candy bar that supports parents. Yeah, it's it's such a great point. I mean, as many times as we've talked about this in the show, and I have the uh, Sweat and Toil app on my phone, and when I'm in the produce section, I find myself pulling that out because I always can remember, like, oh, you know, where am I not supposed to buy blueberries from? So I'll go in and look. <laughs> and it didn't occur to me until this moment, like, oh, that's something that I should have a conversation with the kids about when I'm doing that. Um, oh, yeah. And and so I think sometimes it's so right in front of us, we don't we miss those opportunities as parents and educators to take advantage of 
what's happening in front of us and have a an age appropriate conversation and talk about that. Like you just said, I love the example of you know a parent being able to earn money to buy books and school supplies and all that, and being able to use technology then to help make a choice around that is really key. And being a child, and a child knows what another child is like. And on the app that you just mentioned, if a child is involved in producing like the blueberries, and I think Argentina is one of the countries on the app, then the child sees a child's handprint on that app. They don't need to read anything. I talked to a colleague who pulls the app out as soon as they go in the produce section and they look at the labels to see where everything's from and they look everything up. And what happens, I mean, it's more than just teaching empathy. It's helping a child begin to develop an understanding of geography, the globe. It's very holistic teaching. But when they see that little hand, then the child says, oh, no, mommy, let's get apples instead of bananas today. Yeah. So the child is empowered to make a choice that makes a difference for somebody else. And I just think that's an amazing opportunity. You have a title here on our notes that says Slavery Footprint. I don't think I'm familiar with this one. Oh, you are going to love this. It's a great game to play with your kids. You open the Slavery Footprint app. And then it's an app. It's an app. Okay. Or a web page. Slavery Footprint. I'm Dave. I love doing this show with you because if I mention a new resource, you're like, open it up right away. So in the Slavery Footprint, it could be a family activity. And you start with do you live in a home? in an apartment, in what size, are the, are there four bedrooms? And you get to click and build out what your house looks like. How many stories is it? How many bedrooms? And because we're using an algorithm that figures out how many slaves work for you. And we don't think, we think, well, we don't have slaves around us, but did we get something cheaper or my Students always say, let's say expensive instead of cheap. But I'm old fashioned. I just shop. <laughs> I thought I thought if I get it the cheapest, that's being a good steward. But it may not be if the price is someone else's freedom. My dad's my rights in where someone else's begins philosophy. So you build out your house and then they want you to find out how many cars do you have? Do you have a motorbike? Do you have bicycles? And then you get to figure out how many pair of shoes you own, how many jackets, how many cell phones, how many computers, and you figure out how much of those products may have been produced by slaves, by people who are not getting paid, by people who are in forced or exploited labor circumstances. And the challenge is then how do I begin to make choices that create better opportunities for other people, for whole families, not just for kids, but for the whole family? Because if mom and dad aren't in a place where they can take care of their kids, then they're compromised and that creates a situation that's not good for the kids. And so depending on a child's 
age, you play the game, and as they get older, begin to have conversations around how can we change how we do this. And because you and I live in California, and we have the Supply Chain Transparency Act, it doesn't have a lot of teeth, but it still gives us the opportunity to be a voice. And we say that all the time here. Study the issues, be a voice, make a difference. So you play the the slavery footprint, and then you think about, how do I be a voice? Well, I'm going to go on the website where I get maybe my cell phones, and I'm going to ask that company, where do your products come from? What is your supply chain transparency? So my job isn't to go to a mine and figure out how they're producing the minerals or mining the minerals that go in my cell phone. But my job is as a customer to ask the question of that company. So we start teaching children how to become an advocate. So you're not just feeling like, oh, I can't do anything. I can actually do something. And as they get older, if you've got middle schoolers, you can look at some other apps. This one is from Australia. Good on you. I love that. I just opened up the website here. It says changing the world one brand rating at a time. So what is good on you? It investigates and does research on how well these brands are doing in their supply chain transparency. And the wonderful thing about Australia, and when we had John MacArthur on a previous podcast, we learned that the Australian law integrated many of the components of our supply chain transparency, but they beefed them up a little bit. And so you have a few more resources if you're in Australia to address the companies where you purchase your products. It says Good On You provides ethical brand ratings for 2,000 fashion brands. So this is a good place to go then when you're doing your shopping for clothing. Isn't that great? Yeah. And, you know, five years old, probably that's not too important. But if you've got an 11-year-old that's buying fast fashion, and we talked about our Live to Free team doing a fashion show every year, um, this is a place for them to start looking about how they make their choices and how that will impact someone else's life, someplace else. And speaking of fashion, there's also a site called Fashion Revolution. How is that different? This one talks about who makes your clothes and they do a fashion transparency index, which our students use for their shopping. And that's why they promote recycling clothes instead of throwing them away because we want to reduce demand for cheap products. And in that particular website, I've seen that maybe this is where you're talking with kids who are in high school and college. My students talk about how this helps them understand not just their own choices, but as they begin to make decisions on career pathways, if they're going to become involved, I've got several comm majors and they're doing marketing. Well, they want to choose a company to work for that is ethical. And this becomes part of their job search. And this is a way for them to begin to build out the kind of job search that they want 
to be prepared for. Does that make a lot of sense? It does. And the details, I'm just pulling this up. It's an 87-page report. The graphics are incredible. And the detail here of rating each one of the global brands is really incredible that they've put together so much on this. And I could see how there'd be so many different ways to look at this lens, not only from a standpoint as a shopper, but like you said, of um, going to work for an organization or partnering with an organization or the ones that aren't doing as well, that's potentially an opportunity for education and for advocacy, right? Right. So we study these things and then we advocate. So if you have a favorite brand and then you find out that they are not checking their supply chain, your voice is amplified if you get all your friends to post on their webpage to to ask those questions. And corporations are very responsive. Corporate social responsibility, CSR, it's a thing. People get degrees in it now. And it's a way for you to be a voice. And you don't have to be a middle-class American to be doing this. As a high school student, you can make this a project of a club, a social justice club, There are so many ways for you to use tools like this to create a broader base of knowledge and to build into your considerations for your future career. Yeah, it's really pretty remarkable that there's so much that has been built out in these ecosystems. So your kids are probably at the stage where helping them pick out chocolate is a great thing, right? Or bananas and blueberries. Exactly. But- The other part of parenting is the modeling, the action. So if they see you checking before you purchase a big item or before you buy a new sweatshirt or a new pair of shoes, they're going to just learn by being around you. You're modeling, being very intentional and being socially responsible and ethical. And empathy for people that live on a different continent is part of building a future generation that will not tolerate modern-day slavery, human trafficking. Tell me about End Slavery Now. This is also a website. Again, this is another tool to evaluate companies. And I listed several of these kinds of websites because nobody gets it completely perfect. And so getting information from more than one company is going to be a better way to evaluate on your own because you have to make a decision. And wouldn't it be great if we lived in a world where we didn't need to ask, where did it come from? Yeah. Who died in a textile factory that collapsed because they didn't follow guidelines for safety in that place. We did the Bangladesh factory collapse a couple of years ago. And to think that those people were working, many of them with no pay, and most of them with exploitative environment, just so I could buy fast fashion, so I could buy cheap clothes and get an, a new new dress every season, that's just not okay with me morally. And I think that these websites help us understand that. 
Now, our own Department of Labor, as we've said many, many times, creates the Sweat and Toil app based on current research of products coming into the U.S. And they evaluate the possibility of slavery, forced labor, and child labor in all of that. So that app represents a combined research base foundation that started in 2008. It's 11 years old of collecting data. And it's risen to the level now that when those products are coming into the U.S., if they have enough information in their investigation, they are now starting to block the products from coming into the port or coming into the commercial airlines. When you do your purchasing, Sandy, how do you utilize some of these resources? And just thinking about shopping and how you talk with your family and and your grandkids about this, what comes up for you? Well, two things this year. First of all, I use the Sweat and Toil app because it's just so easy to use. Yeah. And and then secondly, personally, I had some reflection time at the beginning of June, almost almost six months ago, and I decided I just have too much stuff and I'm not going to buy any clothing at all until 2020. Hmm. It was amazing. I have the opportunity to talk about that with my kids, with my grandkids, because, you know, it's like, let's go shopping. And it's like, um, not really, <laughs> because I realize I have so much. And it really made me stop and think about how I need to curb my consumerism. So I've been a model, not just in my family with my own kids and my grandkids, but I've also been modeling that with my students and my friends. And so we're more likely to go to a coffee shop where they have fair trade coffee beans and get a cup of coffee than we are to go to the mall and go shopping. Mm. That's kind of how this is a personal decision, but I think it's how we create a culture that is not so focused on consumerism and consuming and really understands the impact someplace else. Well, and it's like you said earlier, the tactical thing you may do in any given season of life and with a family may change and probably should change, especially with kids as they age, right? But the overall value is the same, right? You're you're having conversations. It's right. apparent. It is part of the dialogue about how we consume things and whether that means we focus on how we do our clothing expenditures for this season or looking at using apps or thinking about purchasing food, that there's an awareness and an age-appropriate conversation regularly about being a good citizen in the world and all of the things that that involves doing and utilizing wonderful resources to do that. And uh, another one that's on our list is Fair Trade Certified. And unlike many of the other ones here, I think most people, even folks who haven't listened to the show, have probably heard the term Fair Trade Certified. But I, 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 I feel like I don't have a sense of like what that really means, Sandy. Well, for Fair Trade, it is one brand of supply chain evaluation. And people who are fair trade businesses that have fair trade certification go through a process that they pay for. 
And this is why it's helpful, but it's not the only answer and why you have to have other resources. Because, for instance, a small family cocoa plantation may make $5,000 a year. Well, if they have to pay for fair trade processing, that reduces their family income for the whole year. So finding ways to use fair trade principles, and that's why I go back to using supply chain transparency, which is not a branded process and is not something that necessarily involves paying to be certified. So this is part of that aspect. And I think it's helpful and it's a great place to start, but eventually we want to be more aware of the personal and corporate social responsibility to learn how to do supply chain transparency. And these other websites are doing a favor for us by streamlining that process. Fair Trade Certified, is that a government organization or is it a nonprofit? Like, how does that actually work? I think it's a nonprofit. It's, I'm fairly huh. certain. But I do believe that it was in the early days, a lot of it was around the movement to call the cocoa uh, plantations into some kind of accountability. And almost 20 years ago, the cocoa protocol, which was written up by the cocoa industry, set guidelines to reduce child labor, forced labor on plantations. And we all understand that when we are our own governor, so to speak, we give ourselves a lot of slack. So the cocoa protocol was not very productive. The fair trade approach created a way for external evaluation. And it's been replicated in other ways. There are several different processes that one is a, a certified international, there's rainforest certification. So there's lots of different ways to look at this. But the basic principle is supply chain transparency. Before we go, we should also mention some personal safety focus areas. Um, and we've talked about NetSmarts before on the show, but for those who have not heard about that resource, Sandy, uh, what I, is it and what does that look like? Dave, that is such a good reminder because internet safety is for all ages. And we've learned in the past that it's not a one-time warn your kids, but it's a daily developing good digital citizenship and practicing internet safety. And our favorite website, as you mentioned, is netsmarts.org. Every week, play a NetSmarts game. They keep adding to it and everything is sorted out as age appropriate. So your kids can be playing clicky games when they're getting their screen time on the iPad. If you've got older kids, there's tweens and teenagers, high school kids. This is an opportunity to build internet safety into their regular practice. Think of it as brushing your teeth every day. How have you helped your child become internet safe? Well, thank you, Sandy. As always, you're just a treasure trove of resources. And we are going to be putting links to all of these up on 
the endinghumantrafficking.org website. So when you track down here, episode 213 online, you will be able to check out all of the resources we've mentioned today. In addition, you'll also be able to find links to just about everything that we've mentioned. And when you're over at endinghumantrafficking.org, it's also a great place to hop online and download a copy of Sandy's book, The Five Things You Must Know, A Quick Start Guide to Ending Human Trafficking. We'll teach you the five critical things that Sandy has identified that you should know before you join the fight against human trafficking. You can get access to the guide by going over to endinghumantrafficking.org. Also, while you're online, ensure justice. Our next conference is coming up March 6th and 7th, 2020. Ensure justice. Com is where to go for more details on that. Uh, as always, a pleasure to be with you. Have a wonderful rest of the year, and we'll see you back in two weeks. Thanks, everybody.